I've wanted to tell this joke in a sermon for a long time. Today I finally have the right occasion. A minister in a small town was in the habit of riding his bike everywhere. Home, church, grocery shopping, you name it. One day he came out of the church and discovered that his bicycle was not in the church entryway where he usually left it. This was very upsetting, especially because it seemed almost certain that it must have been a congregant who had stolen it. He told a colleague about it who said, hmm, sounds like it's time for you to give a sermon on the Ten Commandments. <laughs> he said, you're right. So he declared that that very week he'd give a sermon on that topic. And on Sunday, he got up in the pulpit and began to preach on the commandments. And when he got to adultery, he remembered where he'd left his bicycle. <laughs> the moral is, <laughs> commandments express what's important to us. They are a statement of intention, how we want to live, how we intend to live. And so the exercise in our Building Your Own Theology class last fall proved to be a powerful one. Building Your Own Theology is a Unitarian Universalist uh, curriculum going way back, created by the Reverend Richard Gilbert, then of Rochester. Different congregation, I believe. Yes, but he's now a member of the university. Hey, okay. <laughs> And he married Susan and Jackowicki. Excellent, well done. He also created this great curriculum and then a follow-up to it. And it, it goes through, each session uh, does exactly what it says. It says, let's build our own theology. Let's look at some of the things theology tries to determine and decide what it is we determine. We look at some sources and then we reflect on them ourselves. Beliefs about what the divine is. Is there a God and what is it like? What happens to us after we die? What are the meanings and purposes of life? What, does, what is the meaning of salvation? And so on. And um, one section, of course, is ethics. And um, this session on ethics, um, how should we live, included this exercise to write our own Ten Commandments or some other number. Um, participants did not necessarily read the original Ten Commandments that you just heard or the very slightly different version that appears in the book of Deuteronomy. And people went and wrote them by themselves and then I compiled a list. And they were just too wonderful not to share with you all. You know, the idea, I think, of, of revisiting these is not only that we must each individually create our own theology, but that as a society, as, as the hymn says, we hope that, that wider grows the vision that what was recorded in one era might grow wider over time, even as uh, Forward Through the Ages takes a beautiful old song by Arthur Seymour Sullivan, if you know that name. That's as in Gilbert Ann. So really, we should be singing it twice as fast. <laughs> anyway, this lovely um, song by Sir Arthur Sullivan, um, and instead of Onward Christian Soldiers, puts Unitarian Universalist words to it. So here's the question, did we, broaden, did we broaden the realm of love and light in our creation of these 10 commandments? Well, many participants preserved some of the original 10 or versions of them. 
Things like be honest, don't cheat, don't be dishonest with someone close to you, that's where adultery comes in. Tell the truth, which may be broader than the thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor of Exodus, with its seeming focus on legal situations. Uh, don't take that, that does not belong to you, got restated in various forms. At least four folks had some variation on thou shalt not kill. One clarified, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not kill humans and animals. Let vegetarians reign. <laughs> I, you can see right at the outset, we had a better sense of humor than the author of Exodus. Uh, but a wider concern for the well-being of all entered into many or, or all of the versions that our class came up with. Thou shalt respect all beings. Thou shalt respect and honor all beings. Were, were two things that two people wrote down. Respect the interdependent web of existence. Somebody pulling um, out the language of our, um, of our principles there. Thou shalt honor the earth, nature, and all creatures, and shall do no harm. And one person put more succinctly, do not trash nature and the environment. And then there were many repetitions of respecting and honoring the earth, all of its beings, and nature. Now to the very specific, thou shalt reject the use of coal, oil, and gas, and embrace solar, wind, and wave power. <laughs> the same person who said thou shalt not kill humans and animals wrote, Thou shalt respect and treat well all dogs and cats. Thou shalt do anything you want to mosquitoes. <laughs> you know, whenever you look at, at um, ethical imperatives, at precepts such as the Ten Commandments, the concerns of the times that they were recorded in become evident. The Bible conveys admiration and reverence for the wonders of nature, especially elsewhere in, in the Bible. But there's no commandment here to respect the larger web of existence. And perhaps that's because they did not live in a time when humans were clearly threatening the balance of nature. Different imperatives arise in different times. The honor, of all, be honor all beings that's in our benediction is, um, as far as I know, a Unitarian Universalist gloss. An earlier version drawn from the Bible and Presbyterian worship said, honor every person that you meet, which is, narrows it to one species, but also conveys another lovely kind of specificity of its own. Many of our members' commandments carried a deep sense of balance and humility. Turn off the lights when you leave. I think we can imagine that as meant to be figurative as well as literal. Leave a place cleaner than you found it, likewise. When you need something, take only what you need. Help others whose needs go unmet. And someone else said simply, do not take more than you need. The first century BCE rabbi Hillel was famously asked by a scoffer, teach me all of Torah, all of the five books of Moses, while I stand on one foot. Hillel responded with the golden rule and added, all the rest is commentary, go learn it. <laughs> I always wondered why do not unto others that which you would not have them do unto you, or its positive version, do unto others that which you would have them do unto you, weren't in the Ten Commandments. 
Several of our class members in Building Your Own Theology put it there. One put it there twice, saying in two consecutive lines, do unto others as you want for yourself. Repeat the above. <laughs> and another said simply, treat everyone equally. Now, elsewhere the Bible goes into considerable detail about how we are to treat people who are vulnerable. Sojourners from other lands in our midst, widows and orphans, which is to say people who are at a disadvantage making their living, people with physical disabilities, servants, and over and over and over, those who are poor. There are not only 10 commandments in the Bible after all, but according to careful count by Jewish lawmakers in the early days, 613. Some of them are incredibly detailed rules about sacrifices and so on that are no longer relevant, and some are detailed injunctions about how one does and does not treat the vulnerable in one's community. What we came up with in our group was, thou shalt stand up for those less powerful. Thou shalt have peaceful communication and interactions, and refrain from violence. And here is one that one of our folks lifted up from the words of Jesus, thou shalt turn the other cheek. Our age is not only painfully aware of the need for environmental sustainability and aware of the human capacity to destroy one another utterly with weapons that would have been beyond the worst nightmares of the people of biblical times, but it's also an age of science and exploration. And this led to some lovely reminders from our folks. Pursue knowledge and learn from others. Do science for the good of all. Continually learn and grow. Thou shalt be open to new ideas, be flexible. Seek truth and express it. Learn from others. Everyone knows something you don't. Know yourself. Reflect on yourself. And somebody said it this way, the examined life can be a pain in the butt, but give it a try. <laughs> Commentators on the Bible have noted that the commandments can be divided into two groups of five. The second group concerns our obligations to other people. Don't kill, commit adultery, steal, bear false witness, or covet what belongs to our neighbors. The first group, they say, concerns our obligations to God. Uh, I am the Lord thy God who brought thee out of bondage, which in the Jewish version, which is what we're using today, is in itself a command. In the Christian version, it's not, and covetousness is divided into two sections. So other obligations um, to your creator. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I am a jealous God. Do not create graven images of God. Do not take God's name lightly. And observe the Sabbath. The Sabbath could just as easily be interpreted as care for oneself and the community, take a break one day in seven, it's good advice. But it originates, as the commandment spells out, with God's having rested for a day after six spent in creation in the Genesis account. And in Judaism, um, it is magnified quite a bit how um, the Sabbath is one of the most sacred obligations we have to God. So we'll put that one in the God column, as the rabbis did. And then there's the fifth, honor your parents. I think that 
in the rabbi's way of transforming the shoehorning of things into categories into something poetic and philosophical instead, this becomes a statement about the sacredness of certain relationships, the bridge between the mysterious and divine and our relationships with other people. Having devoted the first four to honoring, honoring the divine, we now recognize that our parents, who are like God, the source of our being, merit unusual honor. They're not God, but they are the human creator channels through which our creator gives us life. Which, whether one believes in this biblical God or not, points us to the extraordinary gift we have received simply by being. In Kurt Vonnegut's images, we are some of the mud that got to sit up and look around. And honoring our parents reminds us to treasure our lives. But in our anthropocentric age, our age shaped so much by Renaissance humanism, by the Enlightenment that focused on the abilities of the human mind, by modern science, in short, by all the ways we are very impressed with ourselves. Are our commandments, written in late 2017, as attentive to God as to humanity? Not as much as the original. Although the original devotes three or four or five, depending how you interpret it, commandments to our relationships with God, you might have noticed that most of the ink is spent on those first several commandments. Of the 17 verses it takes to relate the Ten Commandments, the last five commandments each require a tidy one verse apiece. The remaining 12 verses are devoted to the first five. God really wants you to know exactly why you should obey all these commandments concerning God. In contrast, most of our Unitarian Universalist group's commandments, not surprisingly, focus on our relationship with humans and other beings. I'm guessing that we were a pretty typical group in that regard. One of our folks even made this a commandment. Thou shall have no God, even me. <laughs> we also have a preference for paradox, I think, in our group. And yet, there is an attention in our class's commandments to cultivating a humble and reverent attitude. Accept nothing as permanent, people said. Do not take thyself too seriously. You are only an insignificant part of a scheme that even I, your God, cannot understand. So be it. And somebody holds his advice to themselves, don't dwell on accomplishments, everything goes unfinished. And then noted, even this list of 10, cross out six. That's as far as he got. <laughs> Life itself is clearly viewed by our group as a remarkable gift. And so the relishing of it is a high imperative worthy of a commandment. So here's just some of the things that people said. Enjoy sex and food and air and nature. <coughs> Seek, experience, express joy at every opportunity. Laugh often. Do not ever miss an opportunity to laugh and get others to laugh. One person said simply, enjoy. Thou shalt honor and enjoy music, dance, and song that make your heart soar with joy. Live as though each day is your last. 
Seek out what you experience as sacred and uplifting. Thou shalt find what you love and be guided by this as long as no one or thing is harmed. I'm starting to wonder, are these relationships between humans or between humans and the divine? And there's an ethical dimension. Not surprisingly, such an attitude about the abundance of life turns it as a, as a sort of warm, glowing light upon other people as well. Express gratitude at every opportunity. Be cheerful. Try to, do po to, try to be positive and do positive things. Live a constructive life. Positively contribute to the whole. Is not the positive declaration of our obligation to treat others with love and respect a profound statement of our relationship with whatever is holy? The Bible's Ten Commandments have much on our obligations to other people, but they keep them strictly a matter of what not to do. We must not kill them or take what is theirs. But our group expressed an expansive, loving declaration of our connection to others. And it's such a moving list that, although I have been editing along and not, uh, all along and not reading these pieces in full, I want to read this section in full, all the ones that I found that were along this line a vision of the world that our class members, these 15 or so members of UUCPA, want to bring into being. Be kind. Show empathy. Be empathic. Be forgiving. Support the needy. Share your blessings. Practice generosity. Treat others with respect and according to their needs. Default to respect. Practice mutual empathy. Give others the benefit of the doubt. Thou shalt stand up for those less powerful. Render aid where needed. Help the suffering. Look for ways to help. And it should surprise nobody that a UU class also expressed that the one imperative was freedom of thought and refraining from judging what others believe. And so some of those are, thou shalt have the freedom to believe in whatever God or lack thereof thou want. Realize that other people are different and will not think or do things the same way as you. Show them respect and compassion. Thou shalt not force your beliefs on others. Do not make judgments. Respect other people as they all have their own beliefs and principles. I can't help wondering what the world would be like today if that forbearance towards others and humility about the rightness of our own convictions and passion for freedom of conscience had been modeled in the Ten Commandments and the Bible generally. All in all, I think I'd like to live in a world shaped by the commandments articulated by our class. The minister in the joke conveniently remembered the commandment that suited him and just as conveniently forgot the one that constrained him. And that's always a risk, whether we inherit them or create our own. One way or another, if they're at all demanding, we're going to break them sometimes, <clears throat> maybe often. 
But the beauty of building our own is that the process requires us to consider to what must we really commit ourselves if we are to bring about the society and the world in which we want to live. As Emerson says, what we worship, we are becoming. What dominates our lives will dominate the future. Whatever principles we embrace will do a great deal to create the world. When we rejoice to see children exploring this world and consider the lives that lie ahead for them, what is it we would bequeath them if it lay within our power? Because what the original Ten Commandments asserts fundamentally is that they, it, it does lie within our power. So let us create the world we long for all of us to live in and be the change we want to see.